From Schwartz Media, filling in for Ruby Jones, I'm Elle Marsh. This is 7am. For four years, one Tamil family with their two small children have been detained by the Australian government. The parents, Priya and Nardes, have maintained for years that they just want to return to their home in Queensland, Biloela. And now they finally can. How did they learn they would be able to return? And what does the decision say about the future of immigration policy in Australia? Today, journalist Rebecca Holt, who spent election night with the Nardes Salingam family, on the moment the family realised they could finally go back to Biloela. It's Tuesday, May 31st. Rebecca, there is one family, the Nada Salingham family, who had a lot more at stake than others on the outcome of the election. You were with them on election night. Can you tell me about that? Yes. Uh, when I arrived at the unit, the community detention unit that they live in, uh, Priya was on her own with the girls. Hello. As soon as she opened the door, the garage door, she just immediately said to me that she was feeling so tense. I'm very tense and my chest is burning red colour, but I put... The unit that they live in, it's a typical community detention unit. It's anonymous and bland. It's like a motel that you'd book someone you don't like into. You like turtles? Very tension now is coming. The girls were very happy to have a visitor. It's a baby one. They were chatting away, but I found myself thinking a lot about what they were absorbing because, and there's not many times you get to say this as a journalist, uh, this was a night on which their safety depended and their lives were at stake. And so can you tell me why this family was in this position, in this unit in Perth, and what led them to this point? Uh, Priya and Nadez are Tamil asylum seekers from Sri Lanka. They arrived separately in 2012 and 2013, respectively. They met in Sydney and got married there. There are a lot of Tamil asylum seekers who have ended up in Australia and all over the world after the war in Sri Lanka. And after they met and married, they went to Biloela, little regional town right up in northern Queensland, and abided by the rules of the bridging visas that they were given, which didn't allow them to leave Australia and meant that they, you know, had to stay in the community and work and support themselves. So this little family with their two little girls, uh, everything was quite normal for them in terms of where they'd come from and what they'd fled from and where they'd found themselves in this rural community. And they were living a very normal life. And one morning in the dark, there's a raid and they are taken away. So what has their situation been like since that raid in the middle of the night to this family that was in Biloela living their life? What has their situation been like since 2018? Their lives since 2018 have been extremely unpredictable. They have not been able to make any decisions for themselves. They've been held at the behest of the Australian government. 
The children can be seen here on this phone vision taken by their father, Nadez, on Thursday night on board the plane that was to take the family back to Sri Lanka. Uh, they were taken to Christmas Island, which was at that time a shuttered detention centre. The children scream for their mother, Priya. She can just be seen here, surrounded by immigration staff who force her along the aisle to try to stop the filming. Their girls have had terrible health outcomes because they've been brought up in closed detention environments. My kid's very mentally upset. It's very, very, very hard. It's, I'm a two kids' mom. I am normal person. The girls have had terrible sleeping patterns because for years, strangers in uniform walked into their bedroom at night with torches and checked on them every few hours. More now on that news this afternoon that the youngest daughter of the Biloela family is in the process of being medically evacuated from Christmas Island to Perth. In June 2021, the youngest daughter, Tharnika, was rushed to the Australian mainland with her mother. Um, she is understood to be having um, septicemia and has been unwell for the past 10 days. She was taken to a hospital... ..because she was sick with blood infection and pneumonia. It's definitely testing time for the family and for this little girl who is set to turn four next week and she spent most of her life um, in detention. Um, that separated the family, leaving her father, Nadez, and six-year-old sister, Copper, get detained on the remote island for another seven days until the immigration minister, in amongst a maelstrom of international media coverage, rising national outrage and countrywide vigils for the health of the three-year-old in hospital, he relented and he said that the family would be reunited on the mainland. In a major show of force, protesters around the country gave up their Father's Day to send one simple message to the government. So about a day or two after that, the minister announced that the family would be granted bridging visas and there was a lot of confusion because it was assumed that they would all be granted bridging visas and there was a lot of joy because the supporters immediately thought they'd be able to go back to Biloela. But what happened is that the minister only granted three of them bridging visas and that affected Tanaka yet again, the youngest child, because she wasn't given a visa and that meant she had to stay housed in community detention. So they had to all stay for this nearly this last year in community detention in Perth because the minister has refused to grant one more visa to the family. And so on election night, you're sitting in Perth in this community detention facility with the family. Can you tell me about the moment, I guess, when you're watching it with Priya, that it started to become clear that Labor might win the election? Yeah. Uh, yeah, she would turn to me and <laughs> um, look at me and just say, is this good? Is this good? And I'd say, I think this is looking good. Uh, so we didn't say much. We... Um, and I didn't want to misrepresent anything. So I was being very careful. She'd already been through one election in a detention centre. 
And then there was a moment when Nicholas from Change.org rang me and said, we're prepared to call it. We think that Labour has enough. We feel safe to tell her. Uh, it won't... There's no question now. Okay. Okay. Good girls. Good girls. Come and sit down. We're going to do a phone call. And and asked me to help her organise a Zoom link. Recording in progress. Hi. 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 It it looks like we have won. (laughs) You're going to come home. You're going to come to the house. Oh, yeah. Priya's relief was immediate when she saw her supporters. First time, first, in the 6 o'clock, 6.30, I'm very upset. I go to the, my prayer room, I'm crying, I pray, it's everything. But four years, it's a hard life. Back to me. And she just sort of sat back into the couch and put her hands on her face and started crying. Coffee cut and Tanika. What? Really soon, you're going to get to go on another plane ride. And, <laughs> and guess where the plane is going to take you? Billy. <laughs> I, I hope it's a Katanika both days below. Yes! I love to remember. I'm so happy today. I joined my family again. This is a gift. You, all of you, the gift. We'll be back after this. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. And Rebecca, can you tell me why a Labor win is so meaningful to this family? So the you know, family's lives depended on the outcome of this election. Experts say that they would have been detained on arrival in Sri Lanka if they were deported, and the girls would have been placed in state-run orphanages. And the Morrison government's had over four and a half, nearly four and a half years to show them compassion, and they hadn't. It was despite copious cross-party support for the family from figures like Tony Abbott, Julie Bishop, Bob Cadher and Barnaby Joyce, and even advice from its own Department of Home Affairs that this family should be released, which wasn't listened to. Now, the Home Affairs Minister has God powers, and that means that any minister 
in the immigration portfolio can, and very often have, granted thousands of discretionary visas. Peter Dutton himself, between 2014 and August 2018 alone, as the Home Affairs Minister, intervened under the section of the Act that it takes to grant a visa and, using discretionary powers, granted over 4,000 visas. That's a rate of three a day. And when you think about the fact that they granted three of the family the visa they needed to leave and go to Biloela, but just not Sanaka, it's, it's unbelievable. Before even the last election, Bill Shorten said that this family under a Labour government would go back to Biloela. And Labour has stuck to that. They made it clear that if they were able to form a government, the family would go back to Biloela. After years spent in limbo, the Nardessa Linghams are now just days away from the place they call home. Using ministerial discretion to intervene, Jim Chalmers is granting the family bridging visas while they work towards the resolution of their immigration status. So Interim Home Affairs Minister Jim Chalmers called the family himself last week, last Friday. They're going home. They're going to be in Biloela in time, probably for Tanaka's birthday. And is their future in Australia certain? Are they going to be able to stay for good? Look, they're definitely safe and in Australia now. The what the visas that they got on Friday were bridging visas, and bridging visas are pretty basic. You can work and get a bit of hospital treatment if you need it. That's it. The feeling is very much that they're there, they're safe now, and they they know where they're going and they're going home. Advocates are pushing for permanent protection for the 6,000 Tamil asylum seekers in Australia, a hope echoed in a message from Priya. And, I mean, you've been speaking with this family for and following their story for many years now. Like, has it given you hope? Uh, I, I normally stay away from the word hope because uh, it's not precise enough. It's sort of like a big vanilla sponge that soaks up stuff. <laughs> This family, their stories become like an archetypal story for lots of other people who've had awful experiences and the family has sort of been forced into the spotlight to fight for their lives. The fact that they are safe now is a huge relief and I I really welcome the thought that they can go and do whatever they want with their lives and they could do it privately. They could they can make those choices for themselves. Now they don't have to talk to the media. They don't have to beg for safety. And that's that's very important. I I would, on a professional level, I would really like to know in the next little while what Labour's position on detaining children will be. They need to make it clear where they stand because these are not the only children I've reported on in these immigration detention centres. Labour need to say whether they would consider putting children in these places because they are manifestly dangerous, as we've seen. I personally hope that there'd be a national conversation when Australia can move beyond knee-jerk reactive talking points about its borders and ensures that if people arrive by any method, their claims for asylum are fairly processed as per their rights under international law. And the Albanese government has already, uh, in this short time, turned back a boat. And 
I, there are policies which seem baked into Australia's identity. When I started reporting on children in onshore, there's a kind of collective mass disassociation where Australians thought that the really awful stuff only happened on Nauru or Manus offshore, conveniently sort of out of sight. Obviously, at a permanent and terrible cost to the family, far more Australians know what can and has happened to children who've been detained in these centres which are just sit in our neighbourhoods. Rebecca, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you, Al. I really want to come home to Bella. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're going to Will we see the cockatoos? <laughs> <laughs> For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy. Yeah, this. yeah, if that's no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also in the news today. Peter Dutton has been elected unopposed as the new leader of the Liberal Party, with Susan Lee as the party's deputy leader. In a press conference on Monday, Dutton suggested his party will develop policies to help what he describes as the forgotten Australians in the suburbs. And Barnaby Joyce has been dumped as Nationals leader after the party voted in David Littleproud as the new leader. Little Proud was previously the party's deputy leader under Joyce. Ruby Jones will be back tomorrow. This is 7am. See you later.